Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are going to do a listener's question session. We've asked people to ask questions in the Facebook group. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hey, Mark. Very well. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Now, we have to apologize because Ian's in his car today driving to a meeting so if it's not as good quality as well it's normal hard to, you know it's, it just just shows the live nature of these of podcasts yeah. remember this is this is how we started them i will be driving to work and you'll be driving home to work and we would talk about our day you used to have a you used to have a land rover a ranger what are they called a land rover an, old, an old land rover yeah yeah and now you've now you've got a tesla so it should be up. better so it should <laughs> be quieter <laughs> the engine blew up of the land rover so I thought, yeah. right, I can't do this again. I'll get a car no, without an engine. I did a battery. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I'm sure something <laughs> happen. Anyway. Um, right. So we're going to do a question and answer session on the podcast. I've got a lot of questions from people who have been submitted to this on uh, Facebook. Last time we used to do question and answers, we used to get like four questions and we answered. Now we've got a lot. Anyway, so we pick the ones that we think uh, are easy to answer um on on a podcast format and for the other ones i'll, I'll probably get, just reply to them on on the on the posts but so let's just kick this off so uh i have i'm afraid i haven't i think i've kept the names who's, who's asking the questions. so i'm just going to ask the questions um because i put them down onto whatsapp for you so uh, for a high-end product like furniture do you see any benefit in making the user log in to see pricing uh well other than email capture no, no, that would be seen as a barrier to entry, wouldn't it? That's a very unusual technique. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, 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 you know, successfully? well, I, I would. I mean, the thing is, if you do that, as soon as you hide, as soon as you hide pricing, you can't use Google Shopping. So you can't use Google Shopping to promote your product. And if you hide pricing um, for a higher high-end product then of course you know people got to log in to see it i mean if, if it's like really high-end furniture like ridiculously priced where you're like you know it's it's you know like really like an art piece then you know maybe maybe it's kind of like one of those shops where if you have to ask the price sir then it's uh, you're in the wrong shop um so you know if it's something like that then it might be different yeah. but most of the time what you if we're selling furniture it's a normal play of state of play isn't it yeah i think i think i think the only thing i'd say and actually there's another i think there's another question coming up a bit later but basically it's a it's about creating an audience around it if you've got a very high aspirational very high price point product you have to get people into a conversation and the way to do that is to is really is to get their email address to be able yeah. to continue to to have that so but to hide the pricing is odd. But what you could do is do is think about all the ways you can actually really get the email and put the put that email address into an automated behavioural flow that mm. then automatically starts conversations. 
I think you've got to think about if you're selling something really high end, what would you do if someone came into your physical store and was looking at high end furniture? Yeah. How would you how would you categorize them as the right kind of buyer and what they were yeah. going to do? And you'd you know maybe what? let them go through a couple of hoops, wouldn't you, to I would say, kind of yeah, qualify would, themselves? I mean, I mean the, presumably the motivation for hiding the price until they can log in is to get their email and start a conversation. Mm. And and I think the better way to do that is with those other methods of TDO live chat type things, you know, the data capture elements, create a sale room with a, an email squeeze page on there, all those sort of things, exclusive, you know, sneak mm. peek, pre-launch stuff, you know, get ready, something's coming, all the ways you can get email addresses. But the other thing actually is I think it, if for those high aspirational products, I have seen it successfully work where they don't put prices on the home page or mm. the category or the product listing page. Because Where do they put that, it? They, put, they then do put it on the product page. Right, right. So the product details page, which so the product listing would be, you know, the, the, the category page with loads of products on it. Yeah. Category is your overall page with your subcategories on it, um, if you have that at all. And um, the product page is the actual where you would put the price, but you wouldn't put it on home or category or collections mm. or whatever, you, mm. you know, whatever platform you're on. So that, that's probably... Yes, I've seen that working quite successfully. Yeah, I mean, the only time I could see it happening is if it's like a really, really expensive furniture and then the, the call to action on the product page is to book an interview or book a book an audience or something like that. That's kind of like you, you, they book that and then they get into an interview uh, sequence or something like that and they have to qualify for the interview you know, mm. through some means or something like that, and it's exclusive or something like that. But that's very different e-commerce than we're normally talking about on this podcast because most of the people are going to be wanting to use you know, something like Google Shopping or Facebook ads or something to drive drive things. And so, therefore, if you're selling something like you know a piece of furniture for like thirty thousand pounds, it's a very different, very different model, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the next question is about free shipping threshold. At what value do you recommend setting this? Just below or just above the average order value? Well, often your average order value is dictated to by your free shipping threshold, and that, that's mm. just generally what happens. And I mean, the, you know, the, the general best practice is you set it above your average order value because you want to nudge your average order value up. So if generally people are spending thirty-five pounds, um, uh, you know, you want to set it to forty forty pounds. Mm. But it's something that you have to test with. Now you you know you've got to you your site will not exist in a vacuum. You know you are online and it's it's what your competitors competitors are doing. So if you if you don't do your market square test and it says that well everyone else who's selling these products are all offering free delivery full stop for everything no minimum threshold well that's what we're going to have to do but if mm. our competitors are offering it at 60 pounds well we might find it a unique advantage to be able to put it at 50 but be aware it, it's a recruitment tool and obviously and, and a lot of the times or well, sometimes we would recommend including free delivery in the price if you're mm. selling stuff that people can't compare the price with so that, that that's that strategy. But bearing in mind, it's it's very very uh, very much linked to the average order value. So if mm. you have a free delivery threshold of fifty pounds, your average order value will be on average fifty pounds. If you put it 
lower it to 30, you might well lower your average order value. Um, and I know a couple of clients have, have experimented with take, putting free delivery on, taking it off. And actually, the danger is that if you put free delivery for everything, the average order value can drop. Yeah, because people can go and buy something oh, really small and just, just get it. Yeah. But yeah. if they see that, look, spend, you know, spend over £50 to get free delivery, it does encourage them to go and spend other things. But then you've got to, you've got to look at the knock-on effect of conversion rate as well. Yeah. Mm. You know, if, so because, my only yeah. add addition to that would be like, like an average order value can actually be kind of a, a bit of a red herring sometimes. There was a site I was looking at where they were selling... I can't remember exactly what it was, like a shed or a, or a storage box. So, um, like, people either bought storage boxes for them or they bought sheds. If they bought a shed, then it was like $1,000. And if they're buying a storage uh, products, it was like $100. So when you look to their average order value, it came out, it came out at about $400. $400. And so then you could say, oh, well, we'll put, fr we'll put uh, free shipping over $400. Because that's going to force people to go up. But that, of course, if you've got those two buyers, for the people buying the storage boxes for $100, they're never going to get to $400, so it's not going to affect those. But for the people who are buying a shed at $1,000, they already get free delivery anyway because they've qualified at whatever threshold you put it at. And therefore, and that's not going to, it's not actually going to change any, uh, any, of the, um, any of the metrics. So you kind of need to actually understand how your average order value is, is actually split um, and, and do a bit of a what's called a cohort analysis to see whether or not you've got, you know, all customers are buying a similar amount or whether or not you've got like 50% of the customers buying a small amount or 50% of people buying a large amount and then see which is the main group of customers you actually want to, you actually want to move. So you do have to dive into it a little bit more to actually understand um, you know why it moves and that that's why it gets a bit difficult because people just move it and they put it at the average order value and nothing happens and it can be because of they haven't actually dived into the data enough yeah. to work out where it is so yeah that's very just, true um the next question is is there a common cause of erratic web conversion rates even with a steady volume of traffic mine can go from five percent one day to zero the next thanks yes i know the answer to this it's the, the, yes, the erratic cause of conversion rates is down to human beings being yes. human beings. Yes. It? Yeah. And I, I think that if you've ever run an e-commerce business, um, the, the big mistake, I mean, look at the ones we started here. We were like pouring over the sales every day at the beginning going, oh, it's a great day, and you'd be happy that day, and the next day you'd be depressed because you'd be like, oh, we haven't got any sales today. And, and, yeah. and a day is too little a time frame to kind of set your mood around because it's lumpy. It's just lumpy, especially if you're not spending much, if you're not doing huge amounts, if you're not doing like a, you know, at the more you sales you do, the more the more um, steady it gets. But still, still our clients doing, you know, who do five million a month, they still have poor weeks and poor days yeah. and great days. And yeah. It's, you know, it, it's it's all over the place. And so yeah. there's, there's, there's the erraticness of conversion rates is part of the business, unfortunately. And, 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 I, and I just, I see that, we see that quite often um, mm. in terms of, you know, you, 
because we're, we're, we're monitoring lots of different e-commerce sites. We might, we might get an email or an alert from, a, from somebody saying, hey, the conversion rates dropped to, you know, 2%. Yesterday it was on 5 and And it's literally just that particular moment of time. And it's, and it's fine, and it evens itself out. So, I mean, generally, what most e-commerce business owners, which certainly what we do, is we look at every day, every day it's trading. So we just look, we've got the revenue that we've had on a daily basis. Um, and actually, we would look at the recruitment cost. We would look at cost versus recruitment. And then on a weekly basis, we would look at conversion average order value, um, basically. And then on a monthly basis, we would break it down into add to basket, basket to checkout, checkout to order as well. Yeah. And, and review it. And that then determines the roadmap. But you can't... Yeah, if you if you're looking at it on a daily basis, sitting there staring at Google Analytics or your Shopify account or whatever you're using, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna and also you're gonna make bad decisions. It's gonna stop you investing. You have to sit back, let it stabilize, see over a period of time, and remember that these you know this this traffic that comes to your site, it's humans. Mm. You know, it's not it's not traffic. There's no such thing as traffic. It's a real human that has umpteen different reasons why they may or may not buy today you don't know what's going on in their lives you just got to do the best i think i think what helped me because i was i was spending a lot of money on facebook um last year um and i was driving a lot of sales from facebook and you know have a bad day and i'd lost you know i lost money on that day and it was it was painful because you're not spending ten thousand dollars you know, a day. And, you know, if I had a bad day, I could lose like $5,000, $8,000 in a day. And I'd be like, oh God. So what I did was to help myself was I put a, a chart together where it was a five day moving average. And it told me the profit I made over five days. And that's the figure I looked at. So that if I had a bad day, I'd look at that five day profits figure and I'd go, oh, I'm actually, I'm okay. I'm still making money. Um, whereas if that five day profit th- uh, went down and was negative, then then I'd start making budget adjustments based on that. So that mm. allowed me to keep a bit more sane rather than kind of go, oh my God, I've lost $8,000. Well, of that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you, you've got to be rational with it. You've got to take away emotion. Mm. And because the problem is you, you will stop, you'll stop pushing. You know, you will stop, you will stop doing the right thing that's going to scale the business. And, mm. and, and obviously scaling the business it's all about being able to buy traffic profitably. You know, how much mm. does it cost to acquire a customer and how much is that customer worth to us over a lifetime? So, you, so yeah. it's all about if you, if, if you stop, if you stop scaling, you know, if you stop thinking about that, then you, yeah, you get, you're not going to scale. Mm. So next question is what are your latest top tips on Facebook ads following the iOS changes? So, I mean, what, what iOS has done is it has reduced the audience sizes and it has reduced the data that Facebook has to make better decisions for you. And, you know, a lot of people have pulled over it and, 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 and just, you know, the slightly different things people are saying is, you know, go for slightly smaller audiences, broader audiences don't work. But at the end of the day, it comes down to having better creative because let's say you were go- you were able to get a ROAS of 500% before. Um, now you effectively need to get like 600, 700% ROAS to get the 500 because of the, you know, of the friction that iOS has put into it. 
Um, so what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot more testing with creative using um, what's called uh, landing page view campaigns. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting my best audiences um, that I know convert, that have my customers within them. And I am doing um, a lot more testing with creative to see what creative actually gets their attention the most and which angles get their attention the most. And then I'm taking that um, that testing and turning that into my ads. So whereas before I'd actually test creative as a conversion campaign and see whether it works or not. Now I'm actually using landing page view campaigns to actually find my angles, like different images, different copy, different wording, different uh, landing pages combinations. And I'm working out what they're most interested in it. And then I'm taking you know, when I get an angle that works, I kind of dive into the angle a bit more and try a bit more copy in that direction and try a bit more uh, uh, creative uh, image to see if I can actually find uh, something. And, and then I'm creating an advert from that. So essentially what I'm doing is testing with a cheaper source of traffic with Facebook going to the audience and then I'm launching with those ads. And, and that's what I've really come down to is if I want to get you know, if I want to be spending big amounts of Facebook uh, on, on Facebook after iOS, my creative's just got to be much more engaging than it was before, whereas I could kind of get away with it. I could just plonk an image on there, write a good bit of copy, mm. and I could actually sell stuff. And now it's like, no, I've got to really, I've really got to be hitting the, uh, hitting it on the head. And so, you know, things like, you know, what comments do people always comment on your ads? Are, are those comment objections? Not, not the people calling you a scammer or this is crap or I don't like this or whatever, but like people going, you know, oh, this is too much for me or this is the prices. You know, what is it that, that the people have an objection with? And then going into your customer reviews and finding all the reviews that actually answer those objections. So let's say it's price and then someone says, oh, I can't afford this handbag because it's 500 pounds. And then you get a testimony saying, oh, actually, you know, I thought it was expensive at first, but actually this bag doubles as, as seven of my bags. And rather than buying seven bags, I can actually use this one handbag. And, you know, uh, you, know you, can then, you can then use it to find an objection handler from your, your testimonials using the comments that most people object to. What are the common objections? So things like that are working really well. Um, but it, it's about really understanding those audiences and really being hitting the angles right. Um, you've you've just lost a lot of the, um, you know, Facebook doing it for you, and you have to you have to work harder. That's that's really all it's come down to. Um, and I don't think there's any there's no clever trick yet. I mean, it's obviously changing a lot, and maybe Facebook will actually get better with its algorithm, and things will settle down. And a lot of people in the group are actually reporting. They've actually got very good Facebook results at the moment. I mean, a lot of our clients are actually doing quite well on Facebook. The ones that have always done poorly are still, you know, struggling, but the ones that have always done well are now, you know, always doing well. So if you've kind of got a business that works well on Facebook, you can still make it work on Facebook. But if you've struggled before iOS and you're struggling after iOS, you know, it's just going to be harder. It's going to be harder because Facebook probably didn't have a good angle on what your customers were before and, it's now going to have a lesson angle on it, so it's going to be more difficult. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, same same principles apply. If it was working before, it, you you should be able to get it working again. But if you're on the cusp, I suppose it's, you just have to try harder. If it was kind of working before, sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. I mean, when we say is it working, we see we're basically saying is it profitable. 
Can mm. you recruit new customers profitably? Using and that's when we say it's working or not working. And, yeah, and it's and always it, easier if you've got one main channel. If you've got Facebook as your main channel, you can look at your actual base recruitment figures and say, well, that must be coming from Facebook because I'm not advertising anywhere else. And therefore, you know, I can increase spend because I can see them. Same thing if your main channel is Google AdWords. You know, you know those customers are coming from Google AdWords because they're not coming from anywhere else. Even if the mm. iOS is not being able to track them anymore, you can still see those sales coming yeah. in. So, and do you know what? Also, it, I would just say with, with, with any type of advertising, Facebook, Google Shopping, you, you, you have to look at your whole site, customer experience, value proposition. Because that's going to have a huge impact. You know, just think they click on the they click on the ad, you know, or just think about the equivalent. If they're on walking down the high street and they see a you know an ad, you know, they walk into your shop and that shop is laid out really poorly. They can't find anything. You know, they, they, there's no one there to help them. You know, and you know they, they pick up a product and there's nothing. There's no, it doesn't, there's no it doesn't tell them what it does or they can't mm-hmm. even find the till. You know, and, and then they don't know if it can if it doesn't fit, then they'll do that job. Can I take it back? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm not gonna buy it. There's no you know, I've got to get it cheaper as well, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's the that's the fundamental stuff. Like get that stuff sorted. Mm. And then that's and obviously that's gonna have a massive impact on your Facebook advertising. But you know, you can't you can't there's no magic wand stuff here. It's mm. basic fundamental value proposition stuff. Mm. You know, isn't it? You can't, you can't, you can't fake it. No, I was talking to two lads this morning, and they were selling like, um, like organic products and supplements and yoga and, and all that kind of stuff, like products from other people. And I was like saying, if you want to go to market, you you have to have what's your secret weapon? That means you could go into that market and bid under everybody else uh, and make more money than than them. You know, yeah. if you just rock up with the products and expect to just do better than everybody else without having your 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 plan in place to have your secret weapon, like which is maybe double the lifetime customer value that everybody else has, or um, you know a much better upsell strategy on mm. on the, your post purchase. And you know if you're going in with just the basic thing that everybody else has got, you're just going to get you're yeah. just going to be in the same position that everybody else is. Yeah, um, you're going to have that glass ceiling. It's going to happen all the time. It's not going to be able to push past. So yeah, yeah. Um, so. Someone saying, what's the minimum recommended audience size in Facebook ads? I, I like at least a million people, if not two million. Um, but, you know, it's difficult because I know some of your audiences will have got smaller due to iOSs. So another question is saying, are Facebook lookalike audiences rendered ineffective because of the iOS update? Uh, no, they're not re- rendered ineffective. They'll just tend to be smaller. So if you were, like, bidding on an audience and it was doing really well, you know, a lot of those audiences that have been effective have actually gone smaller. I think you did get notified which ones got smaller. You can have a look at them before and after. Uh, and of course, some of the audiences have got a lot smaller and some of the audiences have kind of stayed the same. It's just going to depend on how many iOS people you had in those audiences that have kind of disappeared. So that's the difficulty. Um, and so therefore, your minimum audience size probably needs to be bigger than it was Um well, not bigger, but you have to kind of like when, when you could just combine a couple of interests and get the, the audience size up to the like two million, you know, might, might have to have three audience, three interests or four interests to get to the same, same level. Okay. Yeah. So here's a quite a long one, uh, long question. Can you talk about membership models? 
we've been looking at a brand called Beauty Pie, which is a membership model where customers can pay a small monthly fee to get large discounts on products. With a monthly limit on spend, £200 a month and then £100 after, that rolls over each month. If you don't spend it, it gets added to the next month. There's a minimum three-month commitment to access to it. That seems like a pretty good type of offer architecture that offers a discount without devaluing the product. Wondering how that adds up in terms of customer lifetime, customer value, average order value, et cetera. What could be the potential downsides to this approach? Also, what are the best ways to test ad creators' messaging? And lastly, have you tried YouTube ads? Sorry, that's a lot of questions. So, so um, <laughs> well, like, I think that the first one is about, it's almost like having a customer club, isn't it? This yeah? is Naked Wines, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. this is this is it. Yeah, so first of all, you've got to have, you've got to have a product that, that lends itself to this type of thing or being in, yeah. being in space. So, you know, you wouldn't do it with car batteries, you know, mm-hmm. but beauty. Yeah. So you just think, or could it, you know, so that's the biggest determining factor is, is this something people will buy on a regular basis and, and things like wine, obviously it is. And I would say, you know, beauty is yes, but it, yeah. yes, it, it would be, would be working with that. And then, I mean, generally then it's all about, it's like a turbocharged e-commerce business because it's all about the recruitment cost, mm. um, and actually, and, and and being you have to, and obviously because you've got lifetime customer value that theoretically should be a lot bigger. You can afford to be much more aggressive with your recruitment cost. So naked, mm. naked wines basically give you twenty pounds to spend. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, and because they know that, that obviously that over a, a lifetime that is worth significantly more. Anything where so you can get recurring revenue coming in over and over again each month is good and is going to really help the business. So, you know, Naked Minds, I think, was £20 when we were working with them a month uh, to be an angel. Um, you know, the, the, the smallest one is basically like the Amazon Prime model where you, you pay a fee to get free free shipping. But pretty, pretty much anything in that area um, you know, it, it works really, really well. Maybe you get, remember, there's a membership club and then on the product pages, it shows the members' price and then the um, the non-members' price, and there's an incentive to get the members' price. And you know mm. that, that's basically naked wines. You could buy the individual yeah. wines for more more money if you wanted to, but you everybody was made sense to become yeah. a member and pay it paid twenty pounds a month. But this one's Wait, I don't know how much like, this is a month, but I think but it, I mean, it's certainly I would if you can get that running, I I I'd, I'd go for it. It's worth trying because. That that yeah. is the holy grail of e-commerce. It is. It is. No. It's like we were talking about last last week on the lifetime customer value salesperson podcast, and how mm. we're saying how critical and how if you get that right, it's game changing stuff. It's absolutely mm. huge if you can double your lifetime customer value. Well, this is a business here that that has lifetime customer value built in naturally mm. within the business model. So it's there are they are super super exciting businesses for us to think about. The, the, but it's the risk for the customer is bigger. You know, the acquisition yeah. is a much more challenging place because you're asking them to sign up for a monthly thing. Mm. So it, it takes a huge amount of convincing to get them to commit. So you've got to absolutely think about about that, recruitment that, offer. That you have to be the recruitment offer to get them on, to make it yeah. no-brainer and yeah. huge. Yeah. But it's certainly worth 
it's certainly worth exploring because I think those yeah. brands that have that will be able to weather a lot more storm than other ones that don't have it because people will tend to be much more sticky and they'll just forget about their money coming in. Oh, well, yeah. Just be there. Absolutely. You know? Otherwise, um, you have a business that you have to pay to recruit new customers all the time. And that mm. is ultimately going to be your glass ceiling unless you can increase the average order and your margin. If you can't get them to buy again, you're having, you have to pay every single time to, to grow your sales. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other question there was like, what, how do you test ad creative? So I did talk about that before with using landing page view campaigns with different images and different angles. So that's what I'm using at the moment. And he said, have you tried YouTube ads? So yes, we are doing quite a bit of YouTube ads across different e-commerce sites, but I really only using it on the ones where I've, I've maxed out Google shopping's maxed out, you know, um, Google search ads are maxed out display ads are maxed out with like kind of smart mm. display where we're paying for sales rather than impressions, discovery campaigns are maxed out, which are the new types of, uh, uh, discovery campaigns, which are in Google on new, I say new, they've been around probably a year more now. Uh, and then, and then, then we're now doing YouTube ads on those. So it's kind of like goes in that order. So it's quite rare that I would start with YouTube ads um, and I'd certainly be maxing out the other ones first. Um, yeah, it I, it, it's, it's very, very much top of funnel stuff. It's very top of funnel. And it's like one of those things that it's quite early in the, in the sales cycle. And so therefore by the time that they buy, you might not be able to attribute back to, to, to Google, to YouTube. Um, but we, we are working with Google, um, Google's acceleration team on a couple of clients with their YouTube stuff. So we, it's been quite interesting to see what they do. They actually take the, the videos and do it for you and set them up for you and do everything. Um, you just give them a bit of creative and they put them together. So that's going to be quite interesting to see what they roll out. Um, so we'll just give mm. them a bit of feedback on that uh, later well, on. Sorry, you're saying, you're saying that, yeah, so, so you, you create some video content and that then becomes the ad in the middle of the video. So if you're watching a video on whatever, how to fix your car. It usually runs before. Yeah, it usually runs before. Well, it depends on the YouTube video because sometimes okay. ads run halfway through and sometimes they're in the beginning. And there's okay. all different placement options um, yeah. that you can put them in. Um, but, okay. uh, yeah, I don't think we'll get into that now. But, yeah, right. it's... Um, it's something we do use, but only on big spenders. So, like the okay. customers I'm using on are spending about eighty thousand dollars a month at least, and then they get into YouTube ads. But it's different if you're selling, like for me, selling the book, um, our e-commerce book. I'd probably go and do YouTube ads first because it's it's that kind of prog uh, pro uh, book um, yeah. product, but not for a normal e-commerce site. So, that okay. That, that's the only to the rule. Uh, okay, okay, so when do you know it is the right time to increase your, your budget on Google Smart Shopping? I've read a lot of articles and they are mixed. Some say it will wait till 30 days and before making any changes at all. Others say increase it when you have good ROAS, uh, return on advertised spend. So um, the, the thing is, if, if your campaign is doing well and Google is asking for more budget, um, you kind of need to give it more budget Otherwise, it becomes unoptimized because it's going to it's going to spend the budget earlier in the day, and then it's going to run out. And so that might be that it had you know maybe the last half of the day is actually the better time for your ROAS. You might actually do better in the evening and the morning, but by the time you're getting to the 
evening, you've run out of budget. And smart camping, uh, shopping campaigns will do all of the budgeting for you. You can't kind of say only run in the morning and not in the, you know, in the evening, not in the morning. So it, I always kind of look at what it's asking and give it, give it the budget. And if I can't give it that much budget, then I basically run fewer products. So I basically start, so I say, right, you want uh, £500 a day and I can only spend £200 a day at the moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and take out the products that I don't think are selling that well so that that £200 is spent better on those products I really want to run with at the moment. And then as my ROAS goes up and maybe my client's confidence goes up, I can add more in, then maybe I'll add the products in later. So um, I actually look at the budget to see what it's asking for. If I can't raise the budget, then I take products out and mm. and I, so you, I so just the, give it the budget. I mean, on you Facebook, just do it daily. You're saying you do it daily then? Yeah, I mean, I'm in there daily and just yeah. moving budget up up and down. I mean, I, I've done big budget moves on Google Shopping and be fine. I mean, it'd be asking for like 100 and going to 240 a day, and just I just give it. It's not like Facebook where I kind of do it by 10 percent each day. Just to kind of stop the yeah. learning, but you just want, you just, the opportunity's there. You want to do. Yeah. It. I mean, otherwise, it's like leaving money on the table. Google right? Smart I, Shopping I, seems I agree. to be more robust to budget changes than Facebook. Uh, and so, if it wants it and it's got a good ROAS and it thinks it can hit it, it's asking for more budget. It, you know, give it more budget. Now, often yeah. you find, often you'll find at the beginning when it hasn't got much data, like you'll be spending hundred pound a day or something like that, and then it'll go, oh, I could have spent six hundred pound a day, and you give it six hundred pound a day, and it only spends one hundred and fifty, because it 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 doesn't have enough data to work that out. So, just because it says it's going to spend that much doesn't always mean it is going to spend that much mm. so you've just got to you've just got to roll with it a little bit and work out where you are with it and, and what you're going to do and what's right for your business okay the second camp uh question on google shopping is do you or ian have any tips on campaign structure for smart shopping when you find the product that are selling do you shift them to other campaigns with a different target what about poor performing target uh, products should you ask them asap so um like just for the record, we don't really run smart shopping that much. We actually run a standard shopping, but we've got quite a complex model for doing that. But the only time we run smart shopping is when we've got, like some customers have got 200,000 products and therefore we can't fit them into ad groups using our normal structure. And so what we do in that case is we tend to have two or three smart shopping campaigns and we will move the products into a different campaign based on, on the ROAS that the product is getting. So let's say you start off with one campaign with all your products in there, and that campaign is going to basically end up with all your, your winners in it. And then as products do poorly, I would take them out of that campaign and put them into another campaign with a, maybe a higher target ROAS um, than the winner campaign and then maybe have another layer after that one if the products don't do well and that one I'll move them into another campaign with an even higher target ROAS so that I am basically leaving Google to run with my winners and spend as much as I can on my winners and then I'm kind of constricting a little bit on the products that that show me that it can't mm. sell that well so that's kind of how we do it, but you don't really need to structure the ad groups for smart shopping, you basically just need to have it in a way where you can remove products uh, into another campaign by, you know, setting them as inactive or active in the campaign you want them to. But you're not really going to get any 
you're not going to get any kudos or you know special points for having ad ad groups inside the the smart shopping ones. The the only the the only thing is you can split them. Like certain products might have better margins, certain products might have better lifetime customer value, and so therefore you might go well. I'm going to put these higher lifetime customer value products into another smart shopping campaign and have a row a lower ROAS target than these other ones because I know that I actually get money down the track from these these products. So I can actually recruit on a lower ROAS. But the other thing is you need to make sure that you're getting at least 50 conversions a month per campaign. Otherwise it won't optimize because it needs that much data. So you can't split it down until you've you've got that. But I, I some of my biggest spending smart shopping campaigns, I've only got three campaigns and I've got 200,000 products in there. And when I've got 200,000 products, I actually don't remove products. I actually remove, like in this case, it's uh, like a type of product, almost like a category of product. Because if you think you've got 200,000 products, individually moving products, products are never going to get enough spend. So maybe it's kind of like, the item group ID of that product or a category or something like that, that I can then move up and down. So it's going to depend on how much you're spending, how many conversions you're getting and how your data is organized really um, and moving around, but don't split for the sake of splitting because you're not going to get an advantage mm. from it. Sounds okay. Nice. What is the optimal number of email campaigns to send to your list each month to maximize sales and minimize unsubscribes? Ooh. Wow. I mean, Jay, I mean, this is a, this is a question that I've been asked over the years, many times in different ways. And my answer really is that you, that you send as much as you can until your unsubscribe rate dips below a point, which I normally say is 0.5%. So if so, if it sorry, if it goes be be if your unsubscribe percentage goes above zero point five percent, then that is my, that is something that I often look at. But also, it depends on how you're recruiting email addresses. If you're recruiting loads and loads of emails, and if and it depends on your lifetime customer value as well. So if you've got one hit wonder stuff, you know where someone if someone's buying a car battery, for example, it's very distressed, problem solving purchase. You're gonna you're gonna send them emails, a lot of emails, very quickly, and you know in a short bunch of time, all pushing scarcity and urgency. But if you've got something that you know takes a long time for people to buy, you're gonna spread it out over a long period of time. Mm. Um, but you know what I would often say is that when the big Big online businesses are tend to be the one that in their peak periods of seasonality, they email more than anybody else. You know, they're doing, you know, two a day, and some businesses are only doing one a week. Mm. And that's that is what tends to happen consistently. You know, the, the big the businesses that grow quicker are the ones that have a bigger audience around them. So they've got a much better better way of actually capturing emails and they email much more frequently mm. and, and just if i had a point there about my list i've got a couple of lists um that i'm using i mean what's one's only eight thousand people um and i think i'm driving about two million dollars worth of revenue from that a year that list a year at the moment um and i never look at unsubscribes I, I just 
just not interested. Yeah. I'm just not interested in unsubscribes. What I'm interested in yeah. is that my revenue is going up each month, that I'm driving new new uh, email signups, and that I'm increasing the uh, sales from the emails. And to be yeah. honest, I have got no idea what my unsubscribe rate is. Yeah. Um, it's, that's, it's, just it, that's just me. That's just me. Well, I mean, no, it's, you, you, it's, it's important because if someone's going to unsubscribe, generally they're not they're not going to be a customer they haven't bought for a while and all that happens is it reduces your your open rate and your click-through rate and you've got a tendency of people you know to to just you know essentially it, it can reduce your, your credibility there so i totally totally agree i mean i think mark just looking at the list there's, there's one more question coming up isn't there this is very much linked to this do you want to just read that question out so what with all the changes in Facebook ads, is it better to start with no. Google ads instead? Not that one. Is that one? No, there was one about um, how do I, was it? Well, I thought there was one about um, how do I stop unsubscribes? Oh, no. How do I stop? That one. <laughs> oh, we got rid of it. That was no. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, well, saying, well, I'll, just, I'll touch was, on it. Yeah, someone was saying, <laughs> how do I, how do I email without, I don't know, what was something about unsubscribing, wasn't it? How do I stop people from unsubscribing? I yeah. Think. Or, how, or how do I get people back who've unsubscribed? Now, how do I get people back who've unsubscribed? That was it. Yeah. How do we engage with unsubscribers? Yeah. 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 And, and we were basically saying, forget, don't waste your time with yeah. that. Focus on, on, on your new data acquisition. So how you can get new people on your, on your, on your, your emailing database. People Basically. unsubscribe for me; they're dead to me. I don't want. I don't want to ever know them they, again. It's it's you know you it like you cannot think that so you know this is a value thing. You you know, you're worried about that. I think you, we were talking about this this morning about the fear of oh my god, the fear of loss and missing. Oh my god, all the mm. people have unsubscribed. They were worth you know they were worth a hundred pounds each, and they're all like that. No, that's not what happens. Um, forget about them. Make sure that you are looking at your unsubscribe rate. I wouldn't say ignore it completely, but if someone is going to unsubscribe, they're not going to buy. They're not interested. And focus your time on the new people that are coming through, building up your email databases and looking at how many people you're actually recruiting. Are you monitoring how many emails? You know what? I bet you. Very few people actually know how many new emails they have recruited through their e-commerce store. And I don't mean orders and customers. I mean, like signing up for, you know, exclusive offers, a, a sale room. You know, we, we, you know, we're a big, big fan of building up email databases through putting them into like a sale room category. How many people are actually monitoring how many new emails they're getting on a, on a mm. daily, weekly, monthly basis? Should be 10% of traffic, ideal. Yeah, that's the goal, 10% of traffic. You should focus on that and stop focusing on someone who is never going to buy, who unsubscribes. Mm. Get rid of them. Sod them. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might have things going on in their lives where they just want to reduce the amount of email. I certainly do. But, you know, I'm well, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we did miss a question. There was a question of PSS. Hi, Mark. Other than the basic conversion rate, average order value, add to basket rate, what other key areas, data, metrics, would you advise us to focus on when looking at Google Analytics? Yeah. And yeah. we actually did a podcast on that. Well, Ian did a podcast actually going through what he looks like on Google Analytics. And on the yeah. podcast 
if you go to ecommercestories.podbean.com, which is where we host the podcast, I've put a little search thing on the right-hand side now. Not on the left-hand side, because if you search for that, you look at all podcasts on Podbean, which is not telling you what to do. And if you put I, uh, analytics in that search box, it brings up the episode where it's yeah. Ian's, quick, Ian's quick diagnosis technique for using Google Analytics. Well, like, so that's probably, probably tell, worth yeah. listening to. I don't yeah. know. You're going to ask me what number it is. I'm going to ask you what number it is. We'll go so find out. Well, in say. the summary, isn't it? Well, it well, must be. I think it was about six months ago. It's on October the 1st, 2020. Okay. That's, that's right, October the first, twenty twenty, and yeah. in summary, it, it, you know, it was a it was a good podcast to to because you know all of this all of the stats you can see in Google Analytics there. But in summary, generally, every stat in e commerce that you could possibly think about and want to look at is is part of conversion and average order value and and traffic, obviously. Because, you know, add to basket shows itself in conversion rate. Basket to order shows itself in conversion rate. Bounce rate shows itself in conversion rate. Lifetime customer value shows itself in conversion rate. Like all the stats that you could possibly want to know are, are actually on that target sheet, which is why, mm. so the target sheet, if, if people probably do know, but the target sheet is a very, very simple little dashboard that we've created that has the fundamental, like, cuts through all the, BS mm. nonsense, and it's like this is the only thing that matters, and it's like it's got three numbers on it basically, and three different mm. scenarios, and everything that you want to know about the business or do in the business, anything you think about, look at, change, will show itself on mm. those very very simple straightforward numbers. So you've you've got to be careful. So i.e., don't go. You know, if you're add to basket stat is twenty percent which is like double the average, then leave it. If you're, But if your basket-to-order stat is only 15% and it should be 40%, then that's where you go and dive into that. And then you start to look at, ah, okay, right. So what's actually happening? Where are they stopping? Is it the basket page? Is it the checkout page? You know, what's happening here? And mm. that, so you, you go where you need to go. You know, and don't waste time looking at stats for the sake of it, because otherwise you will be this shiny. You'll be going at you know, this, looking at all the shiny bits of distractions, like oh god, go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this, and mm-hmm. you, you'll be all over the place. And you won't. And it's obviously the biggest bang for your time. Just digging so, into it, you go, you go, use our KPIs to work out where the biggest problem is, the biggest opportunity is, and then you go into that KPI and you go. Right, it's the add to basket rate. Okay, let's dive into the bounce rate. Yeah. Where's the bounce rate? Oh, we've got 20%, 80% of the traffic is coming to these 20% of these pages. Oh, the bounce rate on these five pages is actually causing the site to have a massive bounce rate. So yeah. let's work on those five pages first and then we'll see what happens to the add to basket rate. Oh, we fixed those pages. Yeah. Add to basket's gone up by 5% because we fixed those five pages. You know, it's like yeah. you, you just dive into the, you dig in, you dig you in do. and dig in until you find it's the that little sign of yeah, yeah, little signposts, yeah. and that's that, that's why we where we, we, that podcast kind of talks generally talks about that. But that that mm. you know that that is fundamental to the framework, isn't it? Mm. Actually, you don't mm. you know you go you look at the overall picture, and then you dive into it until you find mm. what the levers are, but in the right well, area. Last question: So okay. with all the changes with Facebook ads, is it better to start with Google Ads instead? Which depends on what the, the business answer. is, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, oh. if you've got a business 
that is a Facebook business, then it doesn't matter whether you start with Google Ads because it's never going to be Google Ads business. But if you start... What's a, a Facebook business? So, like, there's a, there's a lady on the Level 1 program who sells handbags, and it's quite expensive handbags, £500. No one knows who she is. So mm. she can't go onto Google and sell handbags because people just look at the £500 handbag and they go, well... I'm not going to buy a £500 handbag from a brand yeah. I've never heard of. But on Facebook, she can, you know, she could do ads and she could do videos and she can warm them up and mm. she can put them into a community, into a Facebook group. And then there's other people showing and there's a there's like a scarcity and there's product launches and it works, but it doesn't work on Google ads. Whereas, you know, there's other ones like, uh, like GCF Car Parts, for example, they work very well on, uh, on Google ads, but they just don't work on Facebook because Facebook doesn't know when someone's car's broken down, it just doesn't know mm-hmm. what Google does because people are typing in car's broken down, give me a brake pad or I need, need a battery. So it, it comes down to the type of e-commerce site you're running as to whether that you would yeah. use either or. But like, let's say you have got a business that is applicable to both. Uh, I'd probably start with Google Ads because it's a lot simpler. You know, you can literally throw up the feed and see what happens, can't you? And 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 start. Whereas Facebook now has become a lot about creative and video and mm. all those all that jazz. And yeah. it's just a case of like sticking in your um your 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 product feed and putting carousel ads up there for a lot of them anyway. Yeah. So um yeah I, no, it's difficult. Yeah, that's a, that's difficult. a fair answer. Yeah I think it's a good answer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Actual, you know and you, you know it's not exclusive. It, 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 I think fundamentally, it's are people searching for your stuff already, and then you kind of want to get in the Google, and then the Google, you get in the way of that traffic, and you know you then have your your whole site optimized, you have your offer architecture sorted out, you have your average order device sorted out, and then you can bid better and stronger than everybody else. But if they're not searching for your stuff, or they don't know who you exist, you know, you don't, yeah. they don't know you exist. You know, you you have to create that demand. And that's very, you can't do yeah. that in, it, um, in Google, Google shopping, Google, Google shop, ads. You have to if you do sell Facebook. something that people need, but they don't know they need it, you're not going to, you're not going to sell, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. as soon as they see it, they need it. They go, oh, that's great. I would love to have that. Yeah. We've seen some spectacular examples of that, of businesses doing that really well. Like, like one particular business had five products selling, you know, they were doing 10, 20 million on Facebook with five products. Yeah. And it was absolute classic that it was like, oh my god, I didn't even know that existed two minutes ago. Now I've seen it. I I need that. Yeah. In my life, and I can't survive mm-hmm. without it. Oh, it's only twenty five quid. Oh my god, yeah, it's 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 cheap. Yeah, I love it. I'll and that's have the upgrade. I will have the upgrade. Supersize me totally. Supersize and it was that was their much. business model. Yeah. And you know, but on Google Shopping, that just doesn't work. No. 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 But there's lots oh, of I... other examples where it does work in Google Shopping and not in Facebook. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your questions, guys. Kept us busy today. Yeah. And uh, I hope we, if we didn't manage to answer your question, it's either because you asked something very obscure or uh, because we didn't want to answer it. Uh, simple as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, we tried, to, we tried to answer as many as we could. But if you've, if you've asked something, well... Uh, I'll just answer it on Facebook. Uh, anyway, cool. thank you very much. I'll speak to you all next week and uh, have a good week, anybody, everybody, and uh, see you next time. Take bye. care, bye.